from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Almighty God, your word is a light to our paths. Your word is a lamp for our journey. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. To be honest, I'm really glad to see you all here. <laughs> when Tony's email went out yesterday, I wasn't sure if anybody would show up, so I'm so glad you're here today. And also, if you're watching online, we're glad you're with us as well. I'm sure that wasn't the first email that you've received recently about similar circumstances. We get lots of emails, and I will say that the culprit, the biggest culprit in my inbox right now is my child's school. Maybe some of you all can relate, but we get so many emails from my son's kindergarten teacher. Things like, sign up for this, don't forget to bring that, and then bring popsicles now. And there's also the not-so-fun ones, like a delayed start for suspicious activity, or don't worry, we have a good response ready should we need that to respond to the coronavirus. You name it, I've seen it over these emails. But we got an email on Friday that was different. The subject line of this email said, for your listening pleasure. So it wasn't one of those weekday requests, it wasn't a warning, but instead it was a weekend offering. My son's kindergarten teacher had put together the best of top choice songs of all the little kindergartners in her class. And I want to tell you, some of the songs were pretty good. There was Three Little Birds with Bob Marley, and my son was in there with Hamilton's My Shot. There were also lots and lots and lots of songs from Frozen, the musical. But she signed the email with these wise words. She said, in a world of worry and uncertainty, sometimes you just have to have a dance party. Sometimes you just have to sing. So our sermon series for Lent is focusing on the Psalms as song, songs of sorrow and songs of hope. The Psalms are God's playlist. With the songbook of the Psalms, we have hits of all the human emotions. If you are singing along or reading along in the Psalms, you're going to have songs of joy, thanksgiving, happiness. You're also going to have songs of deep sorrow and heartbreak and complaining about your enemies. As John Calvin puts it, the Psalms are the anatomy of all the parts of the soul. Well, if the book of Psalms is the Bible's playlist, then 121 is on the Road Trips album. It's one of 14 Psalms that are called the Songs of the Ascents. 
These were the words that were sung by pilgrims as they set out on their journeys for the sacred spot. 121 starts, I lift my eyes to the hills, and the hill in question is Mount Zion, where the temple sat in Jerusalem. The pilgrims sang this song as they approached the temple for one of the festival feast days. I lift my eyes to the hills was a way of saying, tomorrow I leave for Jerusalem. It's an appropriate song for us to sing in Lent because over these 40 days, we leave for Jerusalem too. We go with Jesus. As he enters the city with palms waving and people shouting Hosanna, we go with him to teach and to cleanse in the temple, to touch and to heal the crowd. And we go with Jesus even in the dark back streets of the city as he searches for that upper room for the last supper with his disciples. And we go with Jesus to Golgotha, where he sets his sights on a different hill, the hill of skulls with the cross in the center. It's the season of Lent in our lives, in our world, and we need the words of these traveling songs. The promise that wherever we go, God goes with us. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, it just so happens that those very words, that very verse, is etched into, carved into the wooden sign, announcing your entrance to my favorite place on earth. That's the sign that hangs over the gravel road when you enter Holston Presbytery Camp, a multi-acre, small group camping conference and camp center in the mountains of Banner Elk, North Carolina, That's not the only sign you'll see on that road. There's also a sign carved in wood that says, go six miles per hour. That's the camp director thought, hey, if this is unique, maybe people will actually slow down and read it. I was a camper and a counselor at Holston Presbytery Camp for over a decade, and I loved every minute of it. Even, and I have this very visual memory of the mice in the treehouse. Even that, I loved every every minute of it. But one thing that I always looked forward to was the Roane Mountain hike. We started in Tennessee, we got out in North Carolina. If any of you all have ever been on the Roane Mountain Trail, you'll know it is absolutely stunning and gorgeous. And we did this 15-mile hike, go through beautiful balds, which are mountains that don't have any trees just grasses and the birds floating up. And then you go through the long trek underneath the canopy of the deciduous trees of the Southern Appalachians. It's amazing. It's not easy. And I remember distinctly the energy it took to get a slow-moving group of middle schoolers to not give up halfway through the trail because there's no getting them off if they just decide to stop. You're in the middle of nowhere. 
So just in case any of you find yourself in a similar position someday, I want to give you the two top tips I learned to motivate. One is when you're starting out with your devotional, whether it's at lunch or in the morning, go with Philippians 2.14. Anyone? Do everything without complaining. (laughs) And then mention that again in the prayers and maybe the blessing over your lunch. But more importantly, because kids are smart and they know what you're doing with that, more importantly, sing. Sings so very many songs. Church camp songs, those ones that you can repeat for hours. Oh, you can't get to heaven in a red canoe, in a Kleenex box, in roller skates. That goes on for like a hundred verses. Children go where I send thee. You can tell them at least 12 times where you're gonna send the children. And we would sing too, as the deer panteth for the water, straight out of the Bible's psalm book. You name it, we sang it, and it gave us the words that we needed to mark our trek. It helped us keep our minds off of the blisters, the heat, the many more miles to go. And if somebody was out of breath, the rest of the group just picked up the tune and sang for them. And we always made it home. I never had a group that didn't make it to the pullout by dark. We were always so happy to hop in those church vans and return to the dining hall for a hot meal. Our Reformed forefather, John Calvin, he knew the power of song too. Now, I don't know what he would think about, oh, you can't get to heaven in a miniskirt, but the Psalms as song, he said, we are born with, God created us with a natural inclination to rejoice, to praise. And God gave us so very many Psalms so that we might use those words in our singing so that we might not rejoice in vain things. The Psalms give us words of faith for any circumstance that we may find ourselves in as humans. You sing the Psalms, you sing of pain, of joy. Whatever is going on, Calvin says, just sing the Psalms. To make his point, he compares humans to birds, and he says it's the peculiar gift of the person to sing knowing what they are saying, not like the birds who do not know what their tunes carry. True, but personally, I think Calvin was a little hard on the birds here. The psalmist also says, the rocks and stones will shout with praise of God, and St. Francis of Assisi actually preached to the birds and told them to tune their songs to praise. But I get what he is saying. As humans, we can choose what it is we sing. And God has given us the gift of life, and God has given us psalms for this journey, the songs of sorrow, the songs of hope. There are words of lament and dissent right there in the Psalms. And there are songs of trust 
comfort of ascending. We've got a ways to go, and the Psalms give us the words to get there. There is music to move us on our paths, and sometimes, sometimes, you just have to sing. Some of you may be familiar with her, but Mrs. Fannie Lou Hamer was a civil rights activist, a 44-year-old sharecropper when she picked up her activism. She was a mother, and she was a mighty singer of the Song of the Ascents. There's a book by Charles Marsh, who's a professor at the University of Virginia. It's called God's Long Summer. And in it, he records the words and the story of Mrs. Hamer. There's a night in 1963 when she was arrested and jailed in the Winona jail. She was beaten terribly, and that night there was no music as she heard the jailers plotting her death for speaking up. But the next morning, something happened. Reflecting on that time, Mrs. Hamer said, when you are in a brick cell locked up and haven't done anything to anybody, but you are still locked up there, well, sometimes words just begin to come to you and you begin to sing. And she sang a song that morning, a song that told of the Bible of Paul and Silas when they broke out of jail after the mighty earthquake. She sang a song saying, singing brings out the soul. And at Winona, says Charles Marsh, singing brought out the soul of the black struggle for freedom for Mrs. Hamer did not sing alone. Sitting in their cells down the hall, June Johnson, Anel Powder, Uvester Simpson, and Lawrence Gayo, they joined her in song. Church broke out, empowering them to stay on the gospel train until it reaches the kingdom. In sorrow, in hope, in uncertainty, in faith, we sing the ascents, not because life is ever moving upward, but because on this journey, God in Christ Jesus walks too. Psalm 121 is a song of the community also. Just like Mrs. Hamer didn't sing alone, the others sang with her. I wasn't the only one belting out those church songs on the long hikes. There's more than one voice in Psalm 121. There is the initial questioner who sets his eyes to the hills and wonders, where does my help come from? 
And then that questioner begins to answer his own query. My help comes from the Lord, he says. But then another voice appears. It's after that second verse, the pronoun switch. So now it's not me and my and I. Now it's you. Now it's your. Listen to it and see if you can hear it. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. So scholars say that this second voice is a priestly figure or someone speaking priestly words of blessing. This is a second voice that's in reply to that questioner's query. This is that second voice that's replying to the questioner's call, that's singing in response to the wondering, that is remembering for all of them the promises of God. There's an Old Testament scholar at Luther Seminary whose name is Ralph Jacobson, and he says that what happens here, that that genre with the second person voice is a benediction. Bene, good, diction, word. The priest is coming to bring a good word. And Ralph says this is an underutilized genre in our world, this blessing of others. And I would have to agree, we're more often more likely to contradict others, to belittle others, to distance ourselves from others. But Ralph says, I believe every child of God should give and receive a blessing every day. And there are times in our worship when we do this. We pastor always offers a benediction at the end of the service. And there's another time, too. It's a special time when the children go out for godly play for the curriculum that we offer at 11 o'clock. There's a benediction there, too. So what happens is you sit in a circle with the kiddos, and it's a time of singing, and it's a time of teaching and telling them the Bible story. And as I'm sure you can all imagine, it's also a time of saying things like, keep your hands to yourself. No, it's not time to talk yet. So see, I've had good practice for this morning. But at the end of that time together, something really special happens. You call them forward by name, one by one from the circle, and you send them out to get in the line. And when you call them forward by name, you take their hands and you say, May the Lord bless you and keep you. And then you send them on their way. So for today, I take up my priestly mantle. And I offer you these good words, these God words. Hold your hands, metaphorically, because I'm not touching anyone's hands. And I sing you the song of a sense. Figuratively, I'm not going to sing to you.
But just in case you are wondering, just in case the hills seem mighty high, just in case you are looking at your own Golgotha, just in case the world is worrisome and uncertain, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will neither slumber nor sleep. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. And for this, we are truly grateful. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh.